That was a great off. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't off tell that Mike's story because that was his story that he just told on a podcast I was on with him. So it would be weird right. if I retold Fair it. Enough. Yeah. All right, then we'll do a show. All right, let's do a show. Oh, hold on one sec. Let's do a show. Oh, what we do, Sean, is we talk for a couple minutes and then. Oh, and then I screw up the intro. Hold on. There it let's is. Let's do a show. So much. You need the drums, right? I don't know, do I? I, I do it for you. I do this for you, this you opening. Do, you do this opening for me? <laughs> I do. Frank, <laughs> sorry about that. Yeah, why do you why do you do it for me? Why, or why you do you love it? Okay. I think my 1972 headphones are finally starting to give out. Well, now you want to pull a Chuck Huck move, you give those to your kids. <laughs> exactly. Every, everything, every broken piece of equipment, like... Here's a pen set. The pen doesn't work, but uh, the lead pencil works. Like his, what? Uh, uh, you talking about? You talking about Charles? Charles Lutz? Chuck Lutz from the Herald? No, I said Chuck Huck. Oh, my okay. dad. Oh, that he was, did that? Yeah, that was like my dad move. Like he would, he would have like headphones that like kind of cut in and out. He'd be like, "Hey, you guys want a new pair of headphones?" I'm like, "Yeah." You know, you do remind me of the guy that uh, the last remaining guy at the Herald Examiner who worked at it when it was a newspaper. He uh, for our wedding, he gave us a um, an electric uh, skittle. A skittle, yeah, you know where you fry stuff on it. Oh, skillet, skittle. Skillet. skillet, skittle. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, yeah, skillet. skillet. He gave Candy us a bag of brain, skittles baby. that you plug in and electrocute yourself when you bite into them. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I'm Brian Irwin, and I'm John Huck. That's enough of that song. Oh, right. and Brian calls it. I wasn't. I was purposely not going to say anything. No, I think it was on enough, and it may have been completely uh, screwed up. I want to start with something really important. Oh, oh, I um, had an idea. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, this is important to you. Oh. So I received an email from John Hazer, uh, and this is what he, uh, he, he sent me. He said, so yesterday I had an audition for Chicago PD. I'm assuming, I think that's a network show. It is. I don't, it's on he, NBC. Yeah, he I believe lives in Chicago. Uh, Sophia Bush is on it, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my agent told me that they really liked me and couldn't wait to see me uh, audition. I memorized the sides, dressed the part, reviewed my lines on the drive down. I felt that I owned the part. About 10 minutes after arriving at the casting agents, I learned that I was the only one who had not been provided the updated lines. Oh. It became a train wreck from that point forward. Oh. On the way home, I thought, man, I really knew the part. I was so good driving down. Today, I happen to be listening to Hollywood Anonymous, my first time. Uh, I hear John say something to the effect that the best auditions he ever had uh, uh, were in the car ride home from the audition. <laughs> it made me laugh. Anyway, keep up uh, the good work. Uh, oh. Your best friend from Illinois. So see? see, John Hazer, huh? Yeah. Uh, I wonder where in Illinois he lives. Uh, he, he's, uh, I think he lives in the city. In the city. Okay. Yeah. Well, oh, he said driving down. I figured maybe he lives Well, maybe. Okay. All right. He, he, yeah. I don't yeah. know exactly where he yeah. lives in. Very cool. Uh, thanks for the but email, see, John, that's that, that. We often talk about, like, is any of this, it's like, you know, again, we're not trying to be, and on this week's lesson learned, right. or, you know, shared experiences, <laughs> right, right, but right. That, it was interesting that he... Well, it's what's interesting to me is that, like, that it, there is, the entertainment industry is all over the world. Like, it's not like, of course, people think Los Angeles, New York. You know what I mean? But Chicago, like you said, Chicago PD, they're looking for authentic Chicago guys. They're looking for people yeah. that are from that area. They're looking for those people. Oh, it's and, also cheaper. Well, flying somebody in a per diem and putting them up at a hotel yeah. from Los Angeles. But yes, no, they also do look for the people within the city. Yeah, and and... and and it's it's nice that I mean I'm really sorry that your audition didn't go well and that's but that's that a, really blows because I've had that like oh yeah yeah what oh you didn't get the updated script like no dude I didn't and that's like well your part now has this much more dialogue or this much less dialogue and you're like wait what and you do, you just have to like 
I mean, at that point, you almost just kind of have to chuckle to yourself and just go, okay, well, let's see how this goes. And if it like, I've had so many train wrecks that in terms of auditions that I just leave kind of now, I just laugh when they're really bad. Yeah, I guess there's only certain amount of space uh, that a human has in their body for rejection. Some people <laughs> have a higher tolerance for it, which is, you know, and that's what auditioning is. It's a, it's a large amount of rejection to where stand up. You don't, you're not necessarily rejected, but you can have seven, 10 years of success and have no one give a shit. Oh, yeah. But you can be very good at it. That's not, that's a different form of, I guess, industry rejection, but yeah, it's, that's but not, it's not same, in your though. face. You're still getting like audiences audition. yeah. to, yes. to react to you and you're so still getting So it's a, it's a different, laugh, it's a so. different set of skills that you acquire that you can still face in the face of failure, but it's different because this is very direct. This is like every day you could face that exact same scenario. Of um, of rejection, I will tell you, which is which is why I don't do it. But I don't know if I even told you this. I tell you, I got roped back in for a second. I'm not. I'm gonna keep names out of this just in case this guy listens. But remember, we were having a podcast a couple weeks ago, and I was. I, I somebody was trying to get a hold of me. There was phone calls, yeah, and there was emails, and it was this. So what it ended up being was. Um, this director contacted me and he found my stand up online and he was like, I'm doing this show and I want you to be one of the leads in this show. And I was like, I, I, you fuck with me right now. Cause like, I don't do that. Like I don't, Right. At first, he didn't tell me he found my stand-up. He just said, I want you. Yeah, so he, you didn't know who... <clears throat> yeah, so I assumed immediately Jamie Kennedy Experiment or something like that, that type of show where someone was screwing with me, right? Like punked, whatever. <laughs> like someone set me up. They want to do a new version of it. Get Brian. He's so checked out. He'll fall for it, which I wouldn't because I'm completely suspicious of everything. Uh, which we should talk about the Jamie Kennedy experiment. I don't think we've we talked about that on the air yet that you and I actually crossed paths unknowingly a long time ago. But anyway, sidebar. So... Um, I finally made contact with him, and he's like, we, I really want you. Are you available? And I said, turns out I may not be available that weekend. I just accepted another job producing a comedy show. Like It was just one of those moments in time where everybody wanted you in one time slot, right? Yeah. So he says, whatever it takes, I can, I can potentially move the dates to get you. And I was like, all right, man, you know, cool. This is oh, all right. And I did some background, totally legit, right? So then we start email exchanging, and then he emails me and says, I need you to come over. You live in my neighborhood, right? I go, yeah. He goes, I need you to come over for an audition. And I was like, uh, okay, whatever, I'm going to let it go. Um, but obviously from We Really Need You to changing the dates to audition, I thought maybe he just needs to, and then even said in the thing, I just need to get you on camera for the other people, like the producers and some yeah. other people. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I show up. It's, this is all improv. There's no email me sides or any of that kind of stuff. I go through the whole thing. And that's when I started realizing, I'm like, this is starting to get weird. They were like kind of hurrying me out of in, hurrying me out of the house. And I was like, Oh, wait, 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 wait. This is not like we want you anymore. This felt like the auditions that I got out of, which is your, the cattle calls. Like, get in, get out. Yeah. Of. We don't want you crossing paths with anybody else. You may be coming, having come over today. So, of course, two weeks go by. And finally, I emailed the guy. I'm like, hey, you said we were filming this week. And he goes, we went a different direction. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I didn't even want to be a part of this what? fucking thing. What? They dragged me all the way through. Honestly, dude, I didn't need to audit. If you would have told me I had to audition for the role, like straight up, it was like me and other people. I honestly had no interest in doing it. So he dragged me in and then rejected me. And I was like, see, I don't, that's, and again, I get enough rejection on other things that I do. That's, that was the one I was telling you. My brain only has so much space, my emotional, that was one of those areas where you still do it. I cut that shit off. I'm like, I don't need that shit anymore. Well, but be, I got pulled in. That's what bothers me. But think, first of all, very weird. I've had a similar experience, but try to look at it this way. <clears throat> It's not, I mean, you're being called into audition, you're being looked at, you're being asked to read 
for the part. That alone, I mean, they're they're like even for commercials, even there are fucking a million actors out there going for the same parts all the time, constantly. So the fact that they've weeded through, even if it's just pictures, and been like, you know what, I like these seven hundred and fifty people. You made that cut, right? I don't then, disagree with that. And then you go in, and if you get a callback, you've made that cut. And then if you actually book it, that's great. But I, I try not to look at auditions as rejection i get it like you go in and you can fuck it up yourself you can get in your own way and and other people can get in your way and things can just not go the way they're supposed to go in order for you to get booked but at the same time it is like the fact that you're being called in the fact that he saw your stand-up and he liked what he saw enough to be like and it was probably an argument that he had with the producers you know he can't just go oh these fucks went you know he has to be political about it. And it's like saying they went a different way just means they went with somebody else. But you have to agree, he made the mistake up front by basically he he offering me the job he should and have said, willing, willing like to, to switch audition? dates. Because I would have said at that point, no, I actually have a really busy schedule. I am busy doing other stuff. Like my focus has shifted away from that and has shifted into uh, cr- you know writing, creating, like producing, that kind of stuff. So it, 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 I want to be able to have the, I would have appreciated the option of saying no thank you I, i'm not i'm not up for the competition if you will but if you're interested in having me you know we can continue to talk but i would have had to juggle my schedule in so many different ways just to make those days work and i would have if it would have been an easy path and again that may seem like a cop-out but my point was the way it was set up in the beginning yeah no he was he worded all was that like wrong. it's he you're in worded that wrong yeah no no, no to I go from you. you're in to and i didn't just so you know I didn't mess up the audition at all. It had, I'm sure it had nothing to do with that. I'm yeah. sure that some other people were like, else they, they, they were already starting to move on, but he realized, I think he realized he had fucked up. But the, the other thing is too, don't make me contact you three days before the shoot. No, no, no. And yeah, say, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, we like, decided hey, man, to go. Thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Within your a time. day, they should have contacted me and said, we fucked up. We're going to yeah. move a different day. That's all I'm saying. So I understand. Like, I get John's thing. I get your, your inspirational speech was really good. You, if it doesn't work out for you, you should be an agent. There's a lot of stuff, I think, that worked out here. But you said you had a short, something well, you wanted to share. Well, I want to bring in our guests first because okay. I feel like we haven't brought it. We well, we haven't. We haven't. You yeah. feel like you haven't because like, we I feel actually like he haven't. got to say anything. <laughs> Guys, joining us today is uh, comedian, writer, producer, uh, music lover, Philadelphia sports fan, Sean Green, everybody. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on, man. I I literally just said everything I know about you. (laughs) I I know. I I didn't expect music lover to... Make the oh, list of credits. Uh, I'm sorry. What I should Are have you? said was like we have a we have very similar. A lot of our musical taste is very similar. But yeah. would you would you consider yourself? Are you a? Um you, depending on the mood, you go to music. Are you? Are, that's a, to me, a music lover is like always like a, one of the first things they do outside of smoking marijuana is immediately going to music. Like if you're See, in a mood, like if you're well, even that. But like um, I, I actually consider it more personal, like mood based. <clears throat> So you need that music to to with the mood. So you're sad. You find your music. You're happy. You find the mu- like that's a like a music lover's got these identities with music. Are you that guy? Probably not. I mean, I I love get out. The- <laughs> Sorry, music hater Sean Green. Yeah, everybody. Right, yeah, yeah. I right. hate music. I hate dance. <laughs> I hate the arts in general. No, I really love the Grateful Dead, and so does John. So uh-huh. I think that's where we, yeah uh, we've right. run into each other a couple times at shows. Uh, I think the. <laughs> 
Wait, wasn't it? Um, oh no, it was uh, last time we saw a show together was up in the Bay Area when the Dead came back uh, most recently last summer for fiftieth, right? Yeah, for yeah. the fiftieth uh, up in it, uh, up at Levi Stadium, Levi Stadium, which is a clusterfuck of a parking lot. But uh, well, there were tickets on the ground, dude. I had five <laughs> extra tickets for that show. I couldn't sell. Really? There were literally tickets on the ground. They wouldn't let you into the parking lot without a ticket. So everyone in the lot had a ticket. So how are you going to get rid of tickets if everyone's got a yeah, fucking ticket? Exactly. It was like, all right, sorry. Because you have to have a ticket to get in. In the lot. Well. So it, was, it was rough. But drugs, yeah. drugs. But drugs we, uh, involved in that decision, right? <laughs> we randomly, we were just hanging out, and a, a longtime friend of ours, a comedian we knew from like years ago, a guy who, who I hadn't seen or talked to for like oh, five yeah. years, yeah. we're just hanging out there, and he just walks by, we're hanging out tailgating. Matt Betts, just walk, right? walks by. Yeah, this comedian, Matt Betts, oh, yeah. just saw him walk by, I'm like, hey, Matt, what's up, man? And I thought he had, like, had already... Hooked up with John or like called him Hooked and they up. decided. Yeah. That's not what it means. I don't remember that Matt Bats. <laughs> yeah, they were making out and okay. uh, no, Fair it enough. was it was a crazy uh, yeah, just crazy luck to run into someone I, randomly like I that. I saw that guy. I saw you. I saw Mike Nice, who I had said I thought that's who Matt Bats Bats was when I walked when he walked by. I was like, oh, that looked like Mike Nice. Saw Mike Nice later. Then was talking to my buddy who I was with that I actually went to the show with and was like. Man, we haven't seen a couple people from college in a really long time. I wonder if they're here. And in the middle, and like we were fruitcakes at that show, but in the middle of it, like like when you ran into me, didn't I have like a, I had a sandwich baggie full of, like, yeah, I had some sandwiches on me. And then like this guy just pops up in the middle. Like I'm, I'm watching the show, I'm having a good time, and this face just shoots up into my eye line and he just kisses me on the mouth. And I'm like, what the fuck? And it was like, and then I kind of I pulled back. I'm like, what? And it was my buddy from college. He's like, hey, it's Joe Weissar. I was like, what the fuck, dude? I was just talking about you. It was a really insane night. And we all got split up and all our phones died at like midnight. And we all, I had to take a fucking cab, like a $30 cab ride with two weirdos I didn't know. And then everyone was waiting for me at some part of the lot. I never showed Why did up. you have to take the cab ride with weirdos you I didn't know? I had to know? get out of there, dude. It was just too much. I was like, let me out of here. Was it the go. last cab? There was... Well, you couldn't get a cab near the stadium. It was a, oh, okay. to get out of that place was a huge, huge uh, clusterfuck. Uh, it's, it's insane that they had a Super Bowl there. I could yeah. I, how did that even go? Because that was <laughs> it was a madhouse. Yeah, it was weird. But anyway, my, but yeah, that's that's why I say music lover. Yeah, my my go to though is as far as mood or like when I'm stressed out or in a bad mood is just to listen to sports talk radio. Okay, for some reason that like listening to angry Philadelphians like complain about their team is very cathartic <laughs> for me. It's just like, he's a bum. I hate everything they're doing. They're destroying this franchise. It's a personal insult, and I take it personal. I should. And then I'm just like, ah, this it, it's, there is a relax. Did you have that? Did you grow up in that at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah I grew up outside of Philadelphia. No, no, no. And anybody personal to you, the hate, was it exposed on to you? Like, like do you, anybody in your family that was that person that was angry about sports? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Have you ever seen the movie the fan, by the way, um, it it's, was with Pat Nozzle. Yes, no, I haven't okay. seen it. Everyone tells me Giants and the Eagles, see. yes, Michael Rappaport. Yes, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so, so you grew up around that like extreme like fanaticism, yes, yeah. I would say, very I, put it this way like, I have trouble watching Silver Linings Playbook because it's too real, like that, that situation of like the juju and just like getting. Having your like emotions and your life tied up to the Eagles, like that's a very real situation. Can I ask, what, what is it about um, certain cities, specifically, you know, Philadelphia as an example? I mean, I grew up uh, a Packer fan. He, he grew up a, a Bears fan, and there's uh, the Bears fans have a little bit of it, but nothing as extreme as you get when you move towards the East Coast. There's this bizarre like. 
I don't know this aggression. What, what's with, what's the aggression part? Where, what is that all about? I mean, you may not know, but you, I'm just curious if it. Well, I, I think it's a, it's a, there's a lot of uh, people like clumped together like that, and it's the it's like a northeast uh, just attitude where New York thinks they're better than everyone, so Philly has this like inferiority complex, so they're going at it, and then oh Boston, Boston's got a huge attitude, so it's like Boston they they're still proud of themselves for throwing the British out. New York thinks they're the greatest city and then Philly's off to the side with a chip on its shoulder because we've never won a Super Bowl so those those forces just collide in the you know tri-state area and you throw in the horrible weather and guys are just guys are just locked in basements getting drunk watching their teams lose and they're unleashed onto the world whereas (laughs) you know Green Bay and Chicago release the Philly Krakens (laughs) they have they have some of that but they also have this overlying Midwest. Hey, everyone, let's just have a good time. Right. Let's get a casserole. We all like sausage and cheese. I feel like you're actually insulting John and I right now. No, and the way you're explaining it. So. I no, no, think I think so. he got Philly there for a second. He's like, you and your casseroles <laughs> and your fucking fags. No, there's, I don't, I don't there's think There's like so. an over... There's yeah. like this warm blanket that encompasses the Midwest of like, hey guys, let's all be nice and get together. Whereas like the East Coast, and it starts with New York, like being nice to someone is kind of a sign of weakness. And it means you're gonna, you know, you're gonna be taken advantage of. My dad, a great example. He he came out here. My dad's like pretty chill now. I mean, he was probably more intense when I was younger. But he came out here and he's like, uh, <laughs> he goes, he goes. You know, I'm out here in California. I'm loving it. The uh, people are so nice. They let you merge. Uh, you know, the, and the examples of nice people were hilarious too. He goes, I, I called down to the front desk. And asked for a corkscrew. The guy just brought me the corkscrew. No attitude. <laughs> I was like, Dad, you're at a Marriott. He didn't stick it in my gut and like, fuck you, old man. He goes, the people in California, they're so nice. He goes, I can't help but think there's some ulterior motive. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that sad where hey, you actually get uh, suspicious of kindness? Well, that guy yes. waved at me. What's his fucking deal? Yeah. I'm going to so fucking I'm gonna happy follow about, that guy. Yeah, why are you up so with fuck? that dude? Do What's you, his angle? Do um, people uh, in that area, st- are, they must be so angry uh, about how PC the world has become, correct? I mean, yes. that's, that seems like that, that, that area where, like, unlike what you see what's going on below the Mason-Dixon line, where fags and queers are really fags and queers, where <laughs> you, you kind of see cities like that where they love using that word, but they're like, but I don't mean it the way I mean it, and it's bullshit that I can't say it. Do you see what the, di- what the difference I'm talking about? Is that, yeah. that kind of still the... <laughs> Yeah, there's. Uh, so we get out here, and I'm probably already getting in trouble for just saying those words out loud, but doing an impression yeah. of it. But but there are. Uh, it's you know Boston, New York, Philly, even it's like angry, but also not like a dumb angry. You know what I mean? Like smart enough to know. Like, you shouldn't be a complete monster, but still, like, hey, I don't like being told what words I can and can't say. Like, listen, I, I I don't have hate in my heart for, you know, people of different sexual orientation, like maybe for Dallas Cowboy fans. But, you know what I mean? Like, there, there is a certain smartness to it, and it's not as, like, uh, it, it's a different... I, you know, it's not. They're not going to. They're not going to ban people from restaurants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're not going to pass a bill that says you can't go to the bathroom somewhere. Well, right, there, right. there was. There was. Or a not si- serve you a cake. Yeah, there was a sign at <laughs> Chick or uh, Gino's cheesesteaks that said you have to order in English. But now. <laughs> 
Also, first off, no one, no Latino guys trying to order cheesesteaks in Spanish. In Spanish right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, the sign is unnecessary. And just because you order in so English. So is that attitude. Continue. Just because you order in English doesn't mean you're going to get the cheesesteak. Like, within the English language, there's still a proper way to order a cheesesteak, <laughs> and that could get you sent to the end of the line regardless. So, they, you know, you're not going to, like, uh, you know, they get, uh, Philly gets crap for being racist or stuff like that. But there actually is a very you know, huge uh, African-American population. And, you know, there isn't, I don't know how to describe it. There is a much more diverse attitude that is portrayed right? Um, by the angriness and stuff like that. Uh, but yes, obviously political correctness, no one, uh, you know, guys get fired up about it. So you, um, how, how much of your life did you live uh, on the East Coast before you came on here? Well, it's weird because I, I, my dad um, went, uh, he was working in the Air Force. Oh, okay. So I was actually born in Ogden, Utah. Lived there for two years. Then so moved, no memories. Continue. No, moved to upstate New York. I was there from two to age six. Then I moved to uh, Denver, Colorado. I was there from age six to sixth grade. Whoa. And then moved to Pennsylvania. And then I was there from uh, sixth grade till I was age 20 when okay. I came out to L.A. But your for, so your formative years were on the East Coast. I mean, yes. you have you probably have some decent, fun, fun memories of Colorado. But, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, it is most of. Well, but most both my parents were from uh, that area. From which out, area? Outside oh. of Philadelphia. Oh, OK. So that's you know, and like even when I lived in Colorado, I was a huge Eagles fan and stuff like that. So you were was, just you were raised an Eagles fan. Yeah, because okay. my dad was an Eagles fan. So he brainwashed me into the cult. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but I, I it is weird. Like I've almost I think I've at this point spent more time in living in Los Angeles than Philadelphia. But I, I definitely feel attached and feel like if someone says that's your hometown, I would say that over like L.A. Or Interesting. How long else. you been out here? Well, geez. Uh, let's see. 2003. 2003. So 13, uh, yeah, 13 years. OK, so you only spent so you actually spent less than 13 years in Philly. Yeah, because I, I moved there when I was like, geez, uh, I, I don't know, 11, 11? Yeah. and okay. then left when I was 20. Like oh, right okay, you got out 20. of Dodge. All right, so let's take a step back for a second. It's always interesting to us, you know, because obviously you've pursued a career in, in stand-up and entertainment, so yep. when did that bug happen? Do you, do you, do you remember when you kind of got it? Yeah, well, I had always loved... Um, Doing well, I think uh, from moving around a lot, you kind of like needed a quick way in into the social circle. Like, oh, hey, I'm the new kid at school. What's right. a good way? Oh, right. being funny. Farts under the armpit. Yeah, baby. exactly. <laughs> that classic gem. So I think I realized, like, oh, if you're funny, you know, girls like you and stuff like that. So I developed that early. Do you still believe that? <laughs> just, I'm just, I'm just curious. And then the next thing's yeah. again, I was just crushing puss all over the sixth grade. As you learned, I, I read a, I read a listener email. We got to be careful what we uh, what we tell people because yeah, they they're going to have it. false beliefs. Yeah. Okay, so just okay uh, years down the line. But even even being the funny guy in high school, you're not getting laid a ton. No, um, it's still it's still the alpha jocks uh, that are yeah. Getting you're laid war- you're the warm up act for the good guys, the cool right. guys. Yeah. But you're at least you at least have friends. They invite yeah. you to parties. Yeah, you can get drunk yeah. You with can them. you can uh, you can look at chicks. You can, <laughs> you can look at them. <laughs> Maybe get. Yeah. One of them to talk to you for a little while. Uh, you're you're in the mix. Yeah, you know what I mean, you're in yeah. there. No one thinks you're a dick. Yeah, no one's saying like, get this guy out of here. Sean, like, this, <laughs> this girl's not listening to me. Tell a quick joke so she gets back on my page and get the fuck out of here. All right, so um, yeah, it's always like, hey, Sean, do something stupid and funny. All right, whatever you guys want. I'll just crash this table. Thanks, everyone. Good night. I actually <laughs> r- uh, reminds me is uh, I. 
when I was a junior in high school, I shaved my head bald to be like male pattern baldness as like, you know, some friend dared me and thought it was real funny. So you're that guy. And Got it. Yeah. So I took, I accepted the dare. I thought it was a pretty right. funny prank. And then <laughs> we go to a party that night and we're hanging out, we're drinking. It got busted by the cops. And so I get charged with underage drinking while I'm looking like a 37 year old man. And I went to the cop. I go, I'm just here to pick up my son. And oh, he goes, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame him. I'm sorry, but fuck you. I do. I, uh, so does that mean I can't pick my son up? Yeah. <laughs> and my, I had to call my mom because uh, I was 17, and I had to call my mom and tell her the whole thing. And then I hear my dad in the background just yelling, "Let him rot in jail!" <laughs> <laughs> and then I pick him up, and my the the police officer is being real condescending to my mom, like, "Do you know where your son was?" And you really got to keep an eye on your son. My mom was so pissed in the car. She's like, "That cop's an asshole. Who does he think he is?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that cop's an asshole." And she's like, "No, you're the <laughs> asshole." That's Shut right. The yeah. Don't, I had that. I had that same experience. Don't ever agree with your parents. When they're because yeah. they're mad on multiple levels yeah. that you're not aware of. Yeah, you that think guy that, I will fucking pull you, this yeah. car over. <laughs> yeah, you somehow or another think they're on your side. They're not on anybody's fucking side. Nope. I will say though, I don't think any fucking parent wants to be told by anybody yeah, how that's... to raise their fucking kids or what to do. I remember a teacher called my mom and my brother had been farting in class. Like he would take his homework up to the front, he would stand next to her desk and he would fart. Well, no, keep oh, talking. I was and, just... and he would fart and like on purpose. You know what I mean? And she was like getting fed up with it. So she called my mom about it. My mom was like, "What do you? He farts. What do you want me to do about it?" <laughs> and then she said something like, "If he was my son, I'd make him get a haircut." My mom goes, "Oh, oh yeah? Like, no, 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 no." Like my mom was like, "That's enough out of you." Like. <laughs> You can't tell a parent they shit like that. that. Of course they do. Like if it's I was like, "Hey Brian, here's what I would do if Tatter was my." Well, he's not, dude. So don't even. <laughs> why, why is that even coming up in conversation? Like, ugh, so pointless. But yeah. Um, so you're getting in trouble. You're being the funny guy. When did you realize, like, hey, this funny thing? Well, I'd always like. I remember uh, sixth grade. Or no, sorry. I mean, I even remember like kindergarten watching, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live, and, and always being a big fan of Norm Macdonald, Conan O'Brien, uh, those guys watching their stuff early on, and like always wanted had an interest in TV and radio. Like I, I made a comedy CD in high school where it was just me doing uh, stand up into like a microphone. Okay. And recorded that, and uh, and then I added in like applause breaks and stuff. Love it's, it. It's uh, it was pretty great. Yeah, I do. It it a lot of it is. I was like the ranty style comedian, and I was uh, what one of my early bits. I was making fun of Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, you should. uh, Yeah, really going after the sacred cows. Yeah, (laughs) but false uh, idols. (laughs) So I always had that, uh, and I. But I was also very into computers and stuff like that. And then I do remember, like, I took some crazy computer test or something, and I, I didn't do well on it. And then I was I. I think it was when I started smoking weed and just <laughs> weird. I realized I didn't want to be. I got out of, of computers like at the exact wrong time, right before computers became were becoming awesome. Cool. And everybody was like, "Dude, if you have a job in computers, you have a job." It's like, oh, you can get laid, you can make millions of dollars with computers. Oh, that's I, MySpace. That has nothing to do with computers. That's the internet. Continue. I got out right before that, and then I was like, I want to do something where you're involved with people and making them laugh, and then. You know, started pursuing comedy. Okay, so. so where were you when you started? When you started actually turning, being the funny guy in the room, the party, the job, to actually going, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this. And where, where were you living? Well, uh, let's see. I started doing stuff in college. I went to Penn State, 
and I started doing like the local TV shows. I hosted uh, radio shows. When on you the, say you started the, doing the local TV shows, yeah, what, what does that mean? What, what, like the campus uh, TV show, Penn State. You TV. would do stand up on it, or you just you would just no, go I on and just. just I was just like the uh, you know news anchor on the oh on the okay show. you were doing like tonight and the South Pod you were you were, you were okay you were doing something a little more scripted you weren't doing your own thing like you're no, only doing your own stand up that was the first thing and okay. then I was hosting uh, radio shows like I was hosting uh, WKPS the Lion <laughs> this is all this college radio did you, yes. okay. and did you make the lion noise no there oh. was a <laughs> there was a button for the lion there was the button for the lion noise but occasionally I would throw in my own <laughs> this is when what what uh, years are we talking about so we're here? talking I, I graduated. To college or high school, two thousand one. So two thousand. Oh so I, I, was, <laughs> I thought Sean was older than that. <laughs> it's okay. Freshman, it's gonna be okay, John. It's gonna be freshman, a breathe, breathe. <laughs> All right. I'm an old soul. <laughs> we, yeah. Do you still have the you. fake? Do you, do you still have the fake patch? Um, no, I do. I do have a I'm balding. You have a real one now, <laughs> yes. so that's great that you taunted your own self. I really tempted fate there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did. Growing. By, <laughs> Everyone always said I was going to go super bald at a really young age. Well, and why would anybody? Who's saying that to you? Like it's oh, an odd my thing friends, to. My friends, like I, I think I've had the same uh, Philadelphia. For <laughs> my friends, hey, you're going to go bald, fucker! Like, yes. what? I just yes. got here. Where did that come from? <laughs> I'm 12. Yeah, it is fun. Like going, like I have a group text with my buddies back from Philadelphia, and really, you want to talk about the last bastions of free speech? It is, it is in the group text where yeah. you can say you whatever. You go- have you been keeping the thread going for oh, years? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and you know, the past couple of years, and it's like you can say the, whatever the you want, and it's fucking rude insane. and wrong. Yeah, yeah, like stuff you couldn't post on Facebook, oh stuff my God. you couldn't say on a podcast. If the group text or- got out, you could never run for president. <laughs> yes, no, seriously. Yeah. Uh, that would, it would end my career in yeah. show business. Yeah. So, college yeah. radio, so I did college radio, and they didn't want to, they, they were like, listen, let's, let's uh, you know, keep down the yuck yuck and, yeah, and do yeah, more other very- stuff that we, w- that we have to do in order to keep our FCC but, license. So, but did you break that mold? Were you trying to do more yuck yuck? Then were you that guy? Yeah, yeah. So I was trying to be funny and I would tell like jokes and stuff. But then the guy would like he was on uh, like AOL in semester would be like just play he, like he was a big classic rock guy, but he liked the, all the B sides. So I would just you know do some jokes and do some comedy, then put on like Leonard Skinner's B sides, and he would like all right, you did your part, and now now you can do like there was this weird balance of uh, it was when we first started bombing Iraq and we played bombs over Baghdad and he was like losing his mind. <laughs> he's like how dare you play hip hop this is a classic rock show he was very serious about classic rock um, which is funny because being a college radio station you have so many different influences different songs that you yeah. like he was just trying to like just jam one thing down people's throats sorry John go ahead but this is this is you being involved in the school's like audio visual production yeah. kind of were you majoring in film were you yeah it was it was like tv radio some some sort of degree like that and i, I just started doing film classes and yeah so did that and then did you have an inkling of like which like what thing you wanted to do the most or were you just like yeah Let's take i always it wanted in. to do i was you know the ultimate dream was to host a late night talk show and then also you know be a stand-up comedian um, Which you get to do basically every night of the week if you're hosting a late night talk show. You get to go yeah, up there and you do go your up monologue. There, you Both, do the yeah. monologue. Because yeah. you, you, <clears throat> yeah. I always like that mix of the interview comedy, you know, that you do kind of on podcasts now where you're in the moment, you're riffing, you're telling stories. I mean, obviously on a late night show, it's much more scripted. And right. Stuff like, like this that. is pretty scripted. Yeah. yeah we're, we're nailing scripted. We got you sides before we. <laughs> 
Now, uh, when did you actually uh, do your first? When did you go? All right, I have to do stand up. And where did you research it first? Did you see it on TV and then go screw it? I'm going to just do it. Like what? Give, walk us through the whole stand up comedy thing. Yeah, so I was always trying to like find places to do stand up in Penn State, and I couldn't find any. And I was home on a summer break after a sophomore year and I did stand up once at a uh, open mic at like a Radisson it was a, it was one of those comedy clubs that's just attached to like a Radisson uh-huh. hotel and they yeah. have like a vinyl banner yeah. hanging out that says like Chuckle Hut or I, I forget the exact name of it I was just and, at one of those yeah, yeah. and they're great they're yeah. great that's clubs the majority and, of stand up is yeah, those yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about yeah. you want to book me uh, I'll be happy to come back and do the show <laughs> but yeah I did open mic night there for the the first time and yeah I just I love that energy of being up on stage and making people laugh. And so, uh, do you remember how much time did you get the first time you went up? I think five minutes. Okay. Yeah. Did it seem like an eternity? You were like, five minutes, man. I could go on for hours here with the stuff I've been using on the radio. Um, yeah, I, I felt pretty good. Like, I really liked the feeling of, uh, of doing that on stage. Like, I'd always enjoyed doing uh, presentations and okay. class where you could yeah. be funny. Yeah, talking in front like, of yeah, people. Yeah, just any sort of opportunity to kind of turn be it the into... the center of attention. It's yes. interesting you said that, because that, fir- that was the first thing that I realized. And not everybody has the same experience, but yours is a little similar to mine, where the fact that the first time I did stand-up, I, 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 did, I did pretty good. Yeah. But it wasn't about that. My memories to this day about the first time I did stand-up was that it felt right being up there and doing it, regardless of the material. And it kind of seems like you kind of realize, like, I'm up here. Hey, yeah, I can do this. Like, that's the yeah. most important thing you should probably get out of being on stage. Your material is going to evolve, or maybe you're, maybe you're still telling the same jokes. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. No. Sean, Sean hasn't <laughs> evolved at all. Same five minutes. Oh, okay, good. That would right. be so fucking... Man, being 20 is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, do, you remember, do you remember what you opened with? I don't remember what I opened with. I do remember doing uh, an impression of my dad, mm. which is always... I, I do like talking about my dad in my act. and Because uh, it's been an influence on you. Because yes. been, And it was funny. And now that you look back on it, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah, dads yeah. are inherently funny. Yeah, And uh, I was telling the story about how uh, it was a Father's Day picnic, and uh, my dad was hanging out, and I thought, like, oh, I'll be a comedian. I'll pull the chair out from underneath him as he goes to Good sit Lord, down. Good Lord, you tried to paralyze your fucking father? <laughs> You psycho. He slams into this brick patio. Beer goes everywhere. He's completely soaked. He's enraged. Everyone's laughing. He's enraged. No, they're not. He's enraged. Well, it's on my mom's side of the family, so they're kind of laughing. My mom's like kind of laughing, but my dad is just so pissed. pissed. Especially because your mom's side of the family is now laughing at him. One quick question before we finish. How old were you when you did this? I was probably like 15. Old enough to punch. Old enough to be a Old enough to punch. Old enough to punch. Continue. (laughs) So he gets up. He's pissed. He gets up. He's super pissed. He storms out. He's like, we got to leave. So he's just (laughs) driving up the Pennsylvania Turnpike (laughs) going like 95 (laughs) miles an hour. I'm asking if he's okay to to drive. He's like, don't tell me how to live my life. (laughs) Um, So yeah, we almost died, but it was... Nah, he was probably fine, but it, it was just uh, it was just more about how what a huge asshole I was, and I did the act out of my dad failing, like n- missing the chair. Does uh, he still bring it up to you at all? Ever? I mean, is that one of those moments in his life where he's like, you, fu-, you know, every once in a while he still brings up the little oh, and he thought it was all fucking funny at fifteen pulling the. Fu-. Did, yeah. did you ever bring that yeah. up? Yeah, he brings it up. Okay, yeah, yeah you know, dad's dad's. Uh, 
They might not remember where the fucking peanut butter is or like how to like do <laughs> certain birthday, things around the house. You are. <laughs> right, your name. But they'll never forget like that bullshit you do. Time like, you humiliated yeah, me. Huh, you stole the twelve pack from me, huh? Oh, you crashed my fucking car. Oh, you, like they'll they <laughs> well, will. Yeah, okay, first of crashing a car, that's an easy one to remember, John. So the stealing twelve pack, I'm gonna give you that one. Pulling the chair off of your dad in front of in I front mean, of in laws. In laws. Yes, it's a double down insult. It's not even his family. It's her family. Yeah. And that's like who've been know, waiting to laugh at him publicly exactly. anyway. Yep. So thanks. Thanks, son. Yeah. Yep. Thanks, Apple. Thanks it for was, aiding uh, and abetting. Yeah, exactly. Situation. Uh, uh, all right. So you so you do it that one time. Yes. And you think to yourself, all right, this is not so bad, right? Yeah. And then, who are so your, how, well, who are your comedic influence? What is what is like? What do you see as when you're going on stage? What are you hoping to be? Who are you? What are you hoping it turns out like? Are you? Do you have a plan? Are you like I want? I want to be a storyteller. I want to be like. Talk about my life. I'm I'm Richard Pryor. What did you? What were your? Yeah, I, I was hoping to go for like a, a mix between jokes within the broader context of a story. Um, yeah, I would say. I, I mean, I don't know. It was an interesting mix of people that I liked, like Norm Macdonald, Mitch Hedberg. Obviously, uh, even Adam Carolla, I thought was really funny on Love Line stuff like that. So, I mean, Conan O'Brien was a big one. I always thought he was hilarious. Like, you watched, you were, you were, you watched his show, and you yeah. saw every night because he was he's very self deprecating. Like very self deprecating. All the jokes turned on to him, and then like, what a goofball he was, and how goony he was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I was necessarily trying to imitate any of those guys. Like I, maybe even Dennis Leary probably was one of the early people I thought like oh, he's just the funny because he's angry about stuff and. I was very angry about stuff, so I kind of used some of that angle. But I, I don't know, like I wasn't necessarily trying to go mimic anyone. I didn't have an right. idea of who I was. Right. Either, I, did, but- I guess I didn't mean mimic or, or 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 imitate. I just meant like what was driving, like who was influencing you, and what were you thinking was comedy at the time that you were like, yeah. man, that's oh funny, maybe that's like funny, David Tell even. Yeah. Uh, I remember I did go to the comedy cellar to watch guys. You getting all choked up? Yeah, it's getting comedy. emotional. God, the comedy cellar guys. There were stairs. There were stairs. I had to walk downstairs. But yeah, I would take a bus to go to New York City and watch those guys, and oh, they cool. were they were awesome. Like Jim Norton and uh, I forget, like Colin Quinn. Seeing him do stand up, I, like I was Colin like, Quinn. oh, this is really this yeah. is like funny. Yeah. And so yeah, guys like that, I guess I would say, would be the influences. Yeah. So so how come you so you did you didn't move to New York? Yeah. Well, so what happened was, uh, let's see, I. Was dating a girl freshman year and was like really in love with her. Oh, and then we've heard this story before. Broke this up. is how it starts. And that was real, just <coughs> sad. Music. Real sad about life. Yeah, and man. Just, uh... We have a friend you should meet. Continue. <laughs> Every comic was ever been on the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're because you moved out here, so you were twenty. Yeah. Okay, so, so did you? Did, so you did you really use this breakup as as a as a reason to? Head west? Yeah, well, it was it a lot of It wasn't far things. enough. New York wasn't far enough away to get away from her? Well, you know, I probably would have went to New York. I interviewed for an internship with David Letterman. My buddy or my cousin was a bartender and he uh, in the city, and he knew some CBS executive who passed my resume along. And I got the interview. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I wore a suit. And, the, and the did, you, did you give yourself the batter and baldness back again? Make sure that they knew that you were, <laughs> I'm that you were, that you were a veteran. You were a veteran of the day. Continue. Yeah, I'm I'm old school vet, uh, intern. No, and honestly, I probably would have moved to New York if I would have got that internship. Oh, okay. But I I went to the interview. I thought it went well, and uh, no, they just didn't. I didn't get it. So um, I took that as a sign that I wasn't supposed to go to New York. Okay. So 
Because there's nothing else there. No, there's nothing else there. Just the <laughs> just, David. It's a pretty small town. Just the internship town. for David Letterman. And yeah, then pretty small it. town. Well, and as it turns out, he has a certain look he's going for when it comes to interns. Got and it. I, I didn't fit that. <clears throat> I didn't fit that look. So, uh, I don't know. I was really, honestly, like super depressed and just doing a lot of drugs and really bummed out. And uh, I was like, I just need to go to California and just focus on comedy. And everyone, for the most part, thought it was kind of a bad idea to leave Penn State and just go to. Did you? LA. You hadn't graduated? No, I oh, went to wow. Penn State for two years. So, so I'm gonna stop you there for one second. How, at this point, and, and you know, remove the the girl aspect out of it. Yeah. The broken heart aspect. How much stand-up had you done at this point where you were going to go to Hollywood and crush it? I did stand-up once. <laughs> okay, good. So you were ready oh. for like a special, <laughs> go on tour maybe? Yeah. You well, had you the most what? important thing looking back, I want to tell you, because I moved out here due to a, a previous divorce. So everyone's got that. Like, There's got to be something that that needs to push you over the edge, something that needs to shove you out the door. There's other people that'll just go. They'll be like, eh, I want to do it. A lot of us... <laughs> needs some sort of I don't want to say traumatic event something happens where you're like I'm out this is not I want to do something different yes. I want a clean slate I want out of Dodge that's completely what it, yeah. out of Dodge that's I don't want to go I'm one with. county over I want to get as far away and I want to I want to I want to shove it in everybody's faces you kind of need a little bit of that right but, so but yeah but I, I honestly wasn't like super I, I mean looking back on it maybe partly delusional about obviously you don't know what it's going to be like out here but i i didn't think i was going to move out there and totally crush it i thought hey if i move out here and, and dedicate every day to comedy and really focus on comedy I, I figured if i do that every day by the time i'm 30 i'll be making a living in comedy so i had like a realistic like super long plan in in place no no one that you, you know where you came from that is not i don't care how you position it no one where you came from thinks that's a realistic plan but, but knowing what we know about being out here right. that's the one of the smartest yeah. plans i've you heard were, of you, someone yeah. coming out here is like look if you you know you're not gonna fucking be a millionaire the next day you know you're not gonna fucking have a, a huge career the next day but like you said if you come out here work a day job do comedy every yeah. night of the week that you can get out there meet other comics keep writing jokes write sketches get with other people by the time you're 30 boom you were working in television yeah now yeah. did you have friends out here how did so how did, so you determine I'm going to LA now what well and the other the other reason LA a was warm and <clears throat> I thought it was gonna be uh, cheaper, like the cost of living was cheaper, like to get an apartment or stuff like that. Than what, Philadelphia? <clears throat> well, then like New York, New York or yeah. something. But really the biggest thing I thought was because New York was so close that if I just moved to New York, then when it got hard or something, uh, I would just... Move home. Yeah, and I'd always worked at my uncle's hardware store and he had, was like hoping that I would like one day take over the hardware store. So there was this like, you know, set like safe life sitting there. And I thought if I moved to New York... When shit got tough and it really hit the fan, it'd be too tempting to just move back to... Yeah, make money, buy a house, get yeah. married, have kids. It'd be just too tempting to move back and kind of embrace that life. And so I figured if I moved out to Los Angeles, oh shit, I'm stuck in Los Angeles. I got to figure this out. And Got nowhere to go. Yeah. yeah, like, and literally, I knew no one when I moved out here. Okay, so that's that's pretty ballsy. Yeah. Um, usually, one of us has a friend. Most of uh, the people that we've yeah. had on the show, or know at somebody least knew who did coke who came and, out here first, and then like, so yeah. The, so what did you do? So the one caveat was my parents. They were like, you shouldn't completely drop out of school. Keep your options open. So I did end up uh, getting an internship 
at Entertainment Tonight. It was an unpaid internship, but I didn't know anyone. But uh, the the lady running the internship uh, was from Penn State. So that got me in there to get the internship at Entertainment Tonight. But basically, I, I bought a car for $800. It was yes. a 1991 Ford Escort station wagon. Boom. I packed it up. I, I burned all these live Grateful Dead CDs. Yeah, you did. And I moved I, out with tapes. This fucker moved out with CDs. <laughs> And I just drove out here uh, to Los Angeles from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. It took me four days. And I have a very vivid memory. I just parked my car. I uh, brought a bag in to the Hollywood Youth Hostel right next to uh, Jimmy Kimmel's Theater right there in the heart oh, man. of Hollywood and Highland. Dude, uh, first off, you stay. just parked your car. That is not where you just described. There's no just parking your car. That probably oh, took I, an hour and a half yeah, itself got, to figure out No, that I, got, I got a ticket. Uh, <laughs> I okay. parked illegally. So, yes, then you did just park your car. You're right. Okay, good. And we're back. I was like, there's a light. It was one of those, uh, you have to have like a certain badge on. Yes. I'm like, the, the, what are the odds they're going to check this? <laughs> <laughs> so I was naive about certain aspects, right? And then I just got high and went to In N Out Burger and then uh, checked into the youth hostel mm-hmm. and started living in the youth hostel How long? for a few weeks. Yeah. So okay. I think I was at the youth hostel for almost a month. Now, you, but you were doing an internship, so you weren't making money, or what? Then your next step to how were you surviving? So, uh, I mean, I had saved up money from um, working at my uncle's hardware store. Uh, and that and- one stand-up comedy show he did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Put that away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so if I did find an apartment. It was like 430 bucks a month for your own wow. bedroom. Holy Where? shit. With, in, a, with uh, a shared bath? Shared bath in Westwood. You got excited at first until he said, I found an apartment with my no. own bedroom. And I was and like, that you means... went, oh, oh, wait yeah. a minute. You're not in your own place. Yeah. No. You're, you're, you know. You got a room. Yeah, I, was, I got a room. Where was a this? Three, three bedroom apartment in, um, I think it's the area called Palms. It's oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Westwood I lived over area. there. Yes, it's it, kind of Culver City ish almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah right I, across I the street there. from Culver City. Yeah. So I was living there. I and was, you found all this shit online, huh? Yeah. It How was, were your roommates? Your strange well, friends. Uh, one was a fifty-year-old uh, Swedish man. Oh, makes okay. sense. Hey, all right. Super heavy alcoholic Sven, who um, who needed roommates. No shock there. Continue. Yeah. So he had worked out a deal with the Uh-oh. lady who owned the uh, apartment that he would basically be in charge of, like renting out the two other rooms. And I think he got basically got his room for free or whatever, some sort of uh, deal there. So Sven and who else? Uh, and it was a rotation of a couple other dudes in the third bedroom. Uh, it was a uh, it was a very interesting uh, living situation to say the least. He was uh, he was like a raging alcoholic, and he would drink like those big plastic yeah. uh, liter and a Costco. half. Uh, yeah, of rum, and he would just drink these tall rum. Super nice guy, super friendly. Okay, well, he never yelled at people. That's not why your other third roommates kept... Uh... No, they, he would just, like, cycle in different, like... It was a lot of foreign exchange students oh, okay. going to UCLA because it was kind of close to UCLA and needed a cheap place to stay and rotated in. He would just get real drunk and then hop on his motorcycle. <laughs> oh, good, good. He would always try to get me to go hang out at the strip club. I'm like, nah, no thanks, man. I'm good, bro. Did I'm you good. ever hang out with him at least one night? Did you just, you'd be like, yeah, fuck it, I'll hang out yeah, with you yeah. once. Yeah, yeah, we would just uh, shoot the shit and hang out and get drunk. No, he, no, I mean go anywhere with him. Did um, you ever take him up on the offer to hang out like chums? No. No, okay. he was like old and uh, just kind of an odd guy. <laughs> and it seemed like there's some drug stuff going on, but super friendly enough to me and uh, right. decent roommates. So. You never rode bitch on the motorcycle <laughs> drunk on rum? No, okay. no. <laughs> He, he, threw that off, he threw that offer out a couple times, oh, and I was like, ah, no thanks, man. I'm good. I'll stay home. So yeah, I started living there, and then just... And uh, where'd you get... Where's your first stand-up gig out here? 
My first stand-up gig. Uh, let's see. I think Westwood was... Bruco. No, I think it was actually at the uh, three clubs. I would say what's at the Improv, the Hollywood Improv. Well, well, did, well. Okay, Mister, I've got a plan. Mister, Youth Hostel. <laughs> I did a. Uh, I took a stand-up comedy class. Okay, ah, there we go. Who's, you who's bought class? it. He bought who's it. Class? Judy Carter. Yeah, so, okay. Judy right. Carter graduate. Okay, and. It, you know, obviously, the idea of a stand-up comedy class is kind of retarded. It's but. just stage time, man. That's all it is <laughs> at the end I, of the day. But I loved it because we would go up in class and then just do our act to the people. So it was like an open mic every yeah. week. And you got to meet other stand-ups. And it yeah. was like each week I'm writing new stuff and like working it out. So kind of... In that sense, it was good. Like it was you a way start to just somewhere yeah. Too. I mean, you it's don't like fuck. Obviously, you don't have to take a comedy class, and it's not like I learned anything you don't learn from doing it. But it it was just an easy way to hop in. Mm-hmm. To Ass- this essentially, pool. open mics are stand up comedy classes. Like if you're going to yeah. open mics every day and you're trying to get on stage, that that is your that is a comedy class, you know. But you if you have a lady saying, you know, it works better if you don't hunch over or if you speak up or if you don't have 15 beers like there's stuff you can learn quicker possibly in a class than you than i learned on my own which was like yeah or just watching other people do stand up and then you're sitting there critiquing them obviously you would do that in an open mic setting but it would be ruder because no one's asking for your critique it's also just fun to hear the discussion of other people who funny and like their takes on comedy like for a guy who was like just hungry for stand up and talking about comedy and just yeah. being gung ho, it was it was a you know it was a it was a positive experience. And then I just went to the haha every night and just did their open mic there. I just kind of lost myself. <laughs> what kind of work did? How were you paying the bills eventually when you ran out of your other cash flow? Well, so yeah, I, I had some money saved up, and then um, three weeks later, yeah, three that weeks money's later. gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, eventually I did. So basically, the first semester I was interning there at Entertainment Tonight, and then mm. I started working at Entertainment Tonight oh, okay. as a PA there for a while. Awesome. And then I did go back to school for two years and finished up at uh, Cal State Northridge. Oh, okay. cool. Which was great because I had stayed out in California for a year, so I had gotten in-state tuition, so it was like 900 bucks. Why are you, oh, so, why are you so methodically responsible? Like, what is <laughs> yeah, your, that's fucking kind of crazy. What is your problem? Like, for everything you did. Like, you, We're, I'm waiting for the train wreck part of the story, and you're like, and then? No, but I went back to school. <laughs> It is weird, like between, yeah, I mean, there is train wreck aspects of my personality, Where? or like occasionally, well, occasionally, the responsible train wreck. Occasionally, the pin will go out of the uh, of the, the the plug will go loose, yeah. and I'll get you know way too crazy, getting but, blackout drunk. But or that, drug but drug then, or. but then you're like, oh shit, I missed a day of class, and then you're back on schedule the <laughs> yeah. next day, and you're like, fucking. No, I think there is a very just growing up in my household, my dad being in the air force, and. Ooh. Uh, and disciplined? Like, was he fucking crew not, cuts in the summer? Ten not, push-ups before breakfast? Not that, not that <laughs> <Ten>. aligned. <laughs> it was nine push-ups. No, it wasn't like super straight lace, but there it was like an inherent work ethic, and you don't fuck up opportunities. And my parents were helping me out with the schooling aspect, so I did feel like thankful of like, hey, my and their thing was like, hey, if you get A's and B's, we'll help you. Yeah, if you with fail, we're not paying for that yeah, exactly. shit. Like, so fuck there was you. Yeah. there was that pressure, and I just felt. Real committed to this opportunity of pursuing this dream of uh, comedy. You Catholic? Yes. Riddle with guilt. Got it. Yes. All right. Irish uh, Catholic. So very siblings. Yes, I have. Uh, I'm the oldest, and then I have a younger brother and a, a younger sister. Cool. They're uh, they're doing really well. My sister's a doctor. Good and lord. My brother's an engineer. So, so they're, you're the, they're okay. shaming so you're, you left and so right. So you're the pull out the chair from underneath dad. Fuck. <laughs> the that's still trying to do engineers. that shit. I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of the wild card in comparison. What was your degree? I'm sorry if I missed it earlier. 
The degree you eventually got? So I eventually got a, uh, I don't even know, what Bachelor of Arts in television. I, you said, I don't uh, even know what degree I got. I don't even give a <laughs> shit. Uh, which is true. You get that degree, what's the first thing you do? Put it in fucking storage and move on with your life. It's like, Yeah, I put mine on the fridge with a magnet. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Well, because Cal, Cal State Northridge, it ended up being a great experience because it was like, it worked out great where I got like the you know, typical college experience for two years at Penn state where it's like, you know, the big campus and the big classes and the gen eds and that, like the frats and that whole experience. And then Cal state Northridge is kind of just like a commuter college where you just kind of show up to your classes. Everyone goes to their different homes. Like there's no real campus life, but it was fine because all I was doing was taking like the TV production classes, like screenwriting Mm -hmm. shit like that, where it was like, all right, fine. You know, I know what I want to do. I don't, so um, we obviously are at a point now uh, where no one gives a shit about Penn State anymore. Yes. Right? It's kind of over the whole stigma, the stains, all that kind of stuff. But there was a, a period of time, a couple of some dark years where like if you put a Penn State hat the on or shirt. The Sandusky people, cloud. Like, yeah. So um, you were obviously far removed from that, uh, correct? You were gone. How many years removed were you from that whole thing? And, and what was your experience well, I, yeah, tied I to I, it? I think I left like 2003 and... It happened in 2005. Well, okay. it, came, it came out. It maybe? came out in 2005, but it had been happening since like oh, 1983 yeah. or something, yeah, right? Something like, insane. But I mean, your perspective on it, I've, not, I've never talked to anybody from Penn State in respects to, I mean, it was a full on uh, countrywide assault that everybody in there was culpable. Everybody there was, was, was guilty. Every student, every person, it, like, it was a weird dynamic that took place there. It was, it wasn't just find the specific people who fucked it up. I mean, did you kind of feel that? Like, was it an e- were you an easy target for a while with people when you'd be like, oh, I'm from Penn State? Like, oh! Yeah, there definitely was a, if you mentioned that and I talk about it in my act cause it's weird. Like that. That's part of the reason why I left Penn State. Like I didn't. Sandusky. Quite, yes, I wasn't. I wasn't chosen. Hold on, I gotta get some. Was, I gotta get some breaking out. Oh, and okay, I was never like, mind. Fuck this. I was scrambling for breaking news music and some <laughs> sad <laughs> baby <laughs> stuff. Below <laughs> Africa. Never mind. Right. Damn it. But I never like. There are people that just drink the Penn State Kool Aid, and I, I just never really fully. And when you say that, explain to people what that means. Like who went to school, but it's just like are Austin, not... Texas, for the Longhorns. It's like so you go there even more so than that because I've been to Austin, and there's a lot of like creativity and free thinking. Like there's just this regimented like, hey, we go to Penn State. We're there's this collection of students that are just like Penn State's awesome, drinking's awesome, football's awesome. We go to here, we do, we do the fraternity life like a very regimented like almost kind of like uh, I don't know how to this is just, what their fathers did this is what their yes, grandfathers did just like did. this very regimented culture that you're buying into everyone's all in everyone's on the same team you know the, there's like 30,000 students and then 100,000 people come in for game day and it's just this very and I just never really gave a shit I was an Eagles fan like I cared more about the Eagles than Penn State and I just felt a little like I, I want to do something creative I I this is just kind of like too too much of a like a solo mind where just everyone was coming together. Interesting. Okay. Did you find yourself groupthink? I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you find yourself <clears throat> um, watching less sports when you were in college, or did you watch just as much Eagles and just as much? Oh, I I've never and... missed an Eagles game. Okay. I mean, more or less. Okay. Um, so I would either go to a bar or if it wasn't on locally, I've got like the other sports I've kind of come in and out of as far right. as like how much I've watched, but it's always been the Eagles. How far me. outside of the city is where Penn state is in respects to where you grew up? Like how oh, far away is it? Uh, it's in the Penn state is, uh, in the middle of Pennsylvania. It's a three hour drive from, uh, my home and it's like three hours from like Pittsburgh. So it's really just in the middle 
of nowhere, like four hours from Philly. Like it's just kind of it's it, a small town that has this big school on campus, right? Yes. Is that kind of the and thing? it's just okay. surrounded by dairy pastures and just the the closest town is Belfont, population seventeen thousand. So okay. it's just really just endless, endless nothing there. Okay, and. It, Getting back to the Sandusky thing, when that broke, I was always kind of like cynical of the whole Biden to Penn State and that whole thing. So I was very critical of Joe Paterno, and I, you know, I thought the guy was a coward. I mean, he was a man who always preached character and do the right thing. Yeah. And whatever level, he can say whatever he wanted, but he didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. And you know. Joe Paterno was like the president of this city, this he, area. Okay. He could have done whatever he wanted. He could have, he did whatever he wanted. He could have pushed harder. Yeah. And I think he had to live with that. And I think that really, uh, I mean, it ate him up, I'm sure. When they took his, when, of, when he lost his job, he died. Yes. Oh, and you knew he was going to die as soon as his job was over because yeah. he was so tied to that and whatever. And listen, I don't think he did enough. Uh, obviously, it seemed like there were other people that knew about it and maybe didn't do enough. But. It was a. It was definitely a crazy, uh, crazy time there. And I, I, my whole thing was that I, it's 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 easy to get upset and it's easy to blame. But I, what I, what I always am concerned about when it comes to, especially having gone to college, you know, and, and, as you have, I, I, the only thing that bothered me was I felt like current people who had nothing to do with it were being punished for people's past sins, and that always yeah. bothers me. It's like. Why, why are well, we punishing people that have nothing kids, right? like, to do with it? You know, yeah. I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe, maybe they were so. You know, there's some places when you talk to it, like, oh yeah, people knew there was something going on behind closed doors for years. Then you go, oh wait a minute, well, yeah, fuck all y'all. But you're, but you're saying when that when that bottom dropped, no one, there, there was no like underlying talk about this before it all came out. It was a surprise to you as it was to anybody. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it was certainly a surprise in the community and, and within the football but, team, though. They there was always talk of Sandusky being a perv. Like, but I'm always, talking about outside yeah, of that yeah. though. Um, it didn't seem like culturally it was it was like a <laughs> that guy over there. We're just going to well, turn a blind eye. I think it was well, yeah, not within the community, but maybe yeah. like closer knit. And yeah. Paterno is the ringleader of that, yeah. so he's yeah you know, he uh, qu- equated to the Catholic Church. Like he is the. He's the bishop that reassigned the priest to a different right, right. district. Okay. He didn't he did his due diligence maybe technically by the law or you know whatever but, but morally that. ethically he could have done more and And do you have friends that are still pissed off to this day that that went down that way that are like yeah, that are so a- pro Joe Paterno they're like how dare they take God oh, yeah. down. Yeah, okay. they were very upset. There were a lot of people that were really upset about Joe Paterno and they feel like he got railroaded by the media. It is a weird thing like they're you know, there is always the overreactions to stuff, but I, I, from my understanding of him, from what I know, he he had some understanding and yeah. didn't do enough. And yeah. to me, that's enough to to totally enough to say the guy it was a huge mistake. It fucked him up, and he deserves to have this black mark on his career, in my mind. And yeah, as far as the punishment, how do you punish a, a school or whatever? It is very weird. But I think there was some institutional uh, aspects that they weren't diligent enough, and I think. You know, with punishment, it, it's a weird thing. Like, there's, you know, punitive versus, like, whatever, how you're going to change things. So I think by making it as severe as they did, hopefully they opened up people's eyes just in general that, like, hey, when something happens, you have to say something. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's probably not going to happen again on a college football team or whatever. So the NCAA probably won't have to deal no, with this. No, just at Syracuse. <laughs> that whole weird thing. And then it came out, that was a lie or something. I don't, I don't know. Even Very know. weird Oh, what? Story. It was? Oh, okay. Yeah, it came out. Supposedly it came out that that was whole, totally debunked. Okay. But 
Uh, from I what guess I, I should have followed up with that. <laughs> no, you just saw the first headline, and you're like, job molester. No, I like, just, no. you know, you get busy anyway. But no, it's I want to tie something into this, though. Sure. Um, from what I understand, you had to go back during this time, correct? And, and can you walk us through this? So <laughs> to bring it all back, okay, so now we've covered like how f- whacked out this whole scenario is, and then you... Yeah, and then they, uh, they ended up firing Joe Paterno, removing him. Taking down the statue. Taking down the statue. There was basically riots in the street about it. And then, yeah, the next day, I had come back to Penn State to do a stand-up show. <laughs> and it was, it was one of the weirder moments of my life, just like now, what did, to talk about. How and, long had you been on the books for this gig? Before it broke? Yeah, I'm trying to do. Yeah, it was definitely before. Okay, bro. and and you, were you thinking to yourself, they're going to cancel? They got to cancel? I mean, why am I going back to try to be funny? And there's riots in the street. I mean, was this going through your head at this time? It was very weird because it was um, it was like they Penn State had a stand up club, so it was just other like kids who wanted to be stand ups. So it was maybe not the typical cross section of Penn State students. So it was just a very, but it was you could just this overlying tension filled the room and like kind of wanted to talk about it, but like. Didn't have enough perspective to like really have yeah, humor it on it. Yeah, just happened. Right? Did anybody so. get up there and try to be nah, bold enough? There no, there was no really like I had kind of I threw out some stuff, um, but yeah, it was just a very uncomfortable. So you experience. went a long a way show. to be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, but then my buddy, who is still friends with the rugby team, uh, so we went to their place and got really uh, drunk. So okay, it, good. It wasn't good. a complete waste of time. That's but right. Yeah, the fun. gig, the gig was pretty bad. Oh. It was it was very weird and uncomfortable. At least you weren't hired to like roast Joe Paterno on the oh way God. out or something like that. <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> Ooh, the roast of Joe Paterno the day the after that Joe happens. Paterno. You're like, uh oh. <laughs> so what? So what have you been doing? Um, you know, in town here, obviously, other than the stand up, like any, like well, what is your what is your job arc been doing? John, well, I was, was going to say, in, in about two, what was it 2004 is when I met you or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, we met each other. I think probably you, three clubs. Yeah, but then you ran a room. Um, you ran some bar because you're organized. <laughs> um, Marina Del Rey. 90 yeah. West? 90 West. Yeah, yes. it was like there was a street sign. There yep. was like a highway sign. Yeah, 90 West. <laughs> it was um, That a, was in Marina Del Rey? Yeah, well, like that um yeah, yeah, I think it was Marina Del Rey. Wow. It was right off uh right over there on the west side. It's out there, yeah. That's probably why I only did it 3 times. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, that you want to talk about being out in the middle of nowhere? That's the one weird pocket of LA that does kind of seem isolated from everything else. I don't oh, yeah. I, there's I, I know there's a lot of unbuildable swamp land that kind of creates that isolation out there and then all of a sudden beach. Yep. You know, and those people out there, you know, beach people are different people. Well, yeah, West LA is a nice part of town, but it's totally different same with South Bay, like it's a nice super nice area, but it does feel a little disconnected. And it's far away. It's hard to get to in yeah. terms of like traffic and driving and everything. It's a real fucking pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> That's where my uh, fiance was from. That's why we almost didn't get together. So I was like, That's too it, far was, away. it is a long distance relationship. Like it is. before the girlfriend I live with now, I was living in Silver Lake and she was living in Brentwood. Oh my God. Yes. Brentwood? Is- <laughs> what the fuck? Which that is, is technically a long distance relationship. Yeah, it was like a forty five yeah. minute drive each way. Yeah, yeah. It didn't but work then out. you, it uh, <laughs> didn't work out. We moved in together. <laughs> no, no. It oh, didn't I thought work you, out. I thought you said before the yeah girl, before the girl I live with now. Oh, the girl out. you were seeing before. He's, he's, I thought he's been saying, with like three or four girls in his life. Dude. <laughs> no, this but I thought you meant like a player. She, I thought you meant your girl you with now used to live out there. Is what I thought you meant. Oh Sorry. yeah, yeah. That's why when you it didn't work out, I'm like, yeah, you just moved in together. 
so, so what have you been doing to pass the time since you got out or in your very calculated and organized plan? So you've run some rooms. You've done like, yeah, I've run some rooms, done stand up in LA, toured a little bit. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, I was working day jobs for a while and then got into more TV producing, writing. I was on, uh, Two years ago, started writing, producing on Ridiculousness. Okay, very popular show on yeah, MTV. Very popular. Did you like that kind of yeah. stuff? Okay. Yeah. No, yeah, he I wants did. to go back to his other day job. And <laughs> no, no. Okay. Listen, but some people don't. You, you and I talk about it all the time. You did some stuff that you don't. You're not happy about doing some. No, of the stuff, but, but I would rather do bill. that stuff than you know fucking go shovel paper for a fucking insurance company or yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, it know? was great because it was it was a regular comedy job and that was like one of my first like you know i had book gigs here and there but this was like a nice regular like Mm -hmm. comedy job and then uh after that most recently the uh production company that owns ridiculousness they sold a new show called crash leets which is like a sports version of ridiculousness uh it stars rob gronkowski and um, it's going to be for Nick Sports, okay. which is like Nickelodeon's doing this thing where they're trying to do more sports programming. So, uh, yeah, we just wrapped season one of that, and okay. I was a head writer on that, and that was, it was a great experience. Awesome. So, so when you post pictures of you and Rob Gronkowski, do your people back in Philly tell you to fuck off immediately? <laughs> like, no one is no – pro- oh, cool. Break I, the oh, Gronk cool saw arm. Yeah. Fuck that guy. My dad, my dad goes to me, he goes – after I, I'm oh, assuming you posted pictures. Gigs. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. And my and my dad goes, "Do we play the Patriots this year?" <laughs> Immediately, <laughs> because it'd be a real shame if something happened to his leg. That's hilarious. <laughs> the sad part is, we played the Patriots last year. Gronk was injured. We beat the Patriots and still didn't help our season. We're seven and nine. So even, I mean, if taking out Gronk meant winning the Super Bowl for the Eagles, it would be a long, long thought process. Like I would definitely consider <laughs> how, how I could ruining my career just to become a Philadelphia. All right, legend. So this is your chance to be pro Gronk. Uh, oh, and, I apologize to your family in advance. I, I, I want to, but because our show is not about slamming, but you know, everybody makes fun of him. Like I'm Gronk. I'm Gronk. Blah, 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 blah. I don't know anything i'm i drink beers party kiss girls and i have no brains like so you hung out with the guy uh yeah i mean that's he doesn't disappoint like i was just like brian your impression is dead on (laughs) (laughs) you nailed Uh, (laughs) no um he is uh he he was actually way better at delivering lines like we wrote him a ton of lines and you you don't know like how he's going to be able to deliver them, but he actually has like a uh, underrated sense of humor and like sense of who he is and who people see him. And he's just like a big kid, which is perfect because this is for Nickelodeon sports. So the idea of the show is like something you could watch with your son and like, you know, it's it's funny. It's not too crazy edgy, but it's still like I'm happy with a lot of the jokes we were able to get in there. And he yeah, he was he was awesome to work with. Just like really just a nice guy, like didn't say no to anything. The only thing. We wrote for him that he wasn't down with doing. We had one Belichick reference, and he just like shook his finger and was like, "Nope, <laughs> off limits." Not making fun That's of the amazing the, the that whole that guy's got. Um, so when you let's go back to your first writing gig. Sure. Um, when you go into writing, obviously you're so used to writing for yourself for all these years, and now you're writing jokes for other people. Do you remember when you actually wrote something and it hit, and and it, what what that was like? Yeah, I mean it's a it's a great feeling to hear someone. It is a weird uh, like experience because the comedian you is like he stole my joke. That's my like, joke. I wrote that. Yeah, but you kind of have to get detached from it, and it is this weird thing where I think some stand-ups do struggle with, like they are funny, they are able to write funny jokes, but I think they do. Um, 
struggle with that idea of like writing something for someone that someone else could use, like really being able to stretch their writing voice. And I think ridiculousness was a great like entry point because Rob Deerdick, the host of the show, his style of comedy and just his point of view is kind his approach to life and everything I think is very different. So to kind of find his voice writing stuff and, and writing stuff that he would use or finding clips that he liked or producing packages he would think was funny was definitely a unique challenge. And like also just getting over that idea of like, this is so funny. Why doesn't, you know, like if he didn't like it or just if the producer on. didn't like it, like, or just uh, developing that humility where like, and stand up, you're very like, I'm right, everyone else is wrong. And that's almost a good attitude to have to a certain degree because you kind of have to own it. But if you're writing stuff and, and you get feedback of like, hey, this isn't working, you can push back sometimes depending on the thing. But you also just have to be able to like, okay, don't take it personally. Don't yeah. say fuck everyone, fuck you. Yeah, you guys right, don't right. know what funny right, is. Right, right, right. Just even if, even if long term you're like, that note isn't the right note, to just process it, readjust it, show that – like to be able to work in that sense – I think it was a take skill criticism, well. adjust, come back with something that they would like. Yeah, and, and like you said, that the thing for me is like when you're writing for like Rob Dietrich, you're not writing for Sean Green. You're not writing jokes that you would say on stage. You're writing yes. stuff that, like you said, but initially you think, is that how you felt? Well, because that's... you're just writing jokes, and then you have to find yeah. the, you have to find somebody else's identity, right? right? So there is that transition, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But also in the room, you can kind of be funny and be yourself and say the jokes, and then realize like, okay, we got to kind of tweak it or. You know, he wouldn't think this is funny or it might not work in this sense. So, did you ever write something where they passed on? You're like, well, I'm taking that on stage. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely ideas that that people have rejected that I'm like, all right, Uh, fine, I'll take that. I'll use it. Yeah, good. Yeah, why? Why not? If they don't want to use it, some I thought of it. I don't feel like I'm. I'm not stealing it. You're from not. Anyone. It's yours. They said no to it. You're yeah. more, but, well, you should be more than happy to put it in. But your also, it's app. like a clip show. So a lot of the jokes are about what's going on in the clip or stuff like that, or you know that I, those ideas related to the clip package. So it's a lot of it's stuff I probably couldn't use. There's you know, a couple exceptions. So forgive me because I haven't seen your stand-up, but you do you focus mostly? Is it personal? Your jokes? It's it's about your life and and, and your life experiences. Yeah, yeah. I would say like talking about you know jobs I work at. Okay. Or, you know, being a sports fan, um, stuff. Yeah, just kind of life experience. So so when you move on to doing a show like that. Yes. Um, where you're dealing with more pop culture based stuff. Yeah. Um, is is it, it? Did you see it have an influence on your on your standup? Where you're like, oh, oh I'm going down the wrong path here because you're changing your, your your brain muscle of, of where you're writing, and you're going, oh no no, this is not. Or were you able to separate pretty quickly? Like, this is who I am, even though this stuff's funny. It doesn't fit what I'm doing on on stage, and I'm not even going to try to you know throw yeah, that it, in. It is uh, it is tough sometimes to like work you know, forty. I mean, you know, in the beginning part of the season, it's like regular nine to five. But then as you get closer to shooting, it's a lot more hours and stuff. So it does kind of have some impact on stand up or um, in in that sense, just like the man hours. And also like creatively, you can only kind of burn so many calories. It is nice that the stuff I'm writing for Crash Leets or at the time Ridiculousness is different than the stuff I would do a lot of times. So it was nice like when I got home and worked on my own stuff. It was like, oh, refreshing because there were kind of different types of jokes. But writing jokes for Gronk was awesome because, like, just being a football fan and just, like, peppering in these football references. Like, finally, someone wanted to hear all my football right, right, references. Right, right. It felt like an uh, awesome opportunity. And also from just doing stand-up and then from doing the show and people see me as, like, oh, Sean, you're the Eagles fan and whatever. Like, they see that as my identity. 
like sports wise and stand up wise. I at first I think when people started like, oh, you're you're a sports guy who does stand up and stuff like that. I was like, ah, you know, I want to be considered a whole completely open. But then you realize like as you go along, like oh, having an identity or a niche isn't a bad thing. Like no, in fact, it helps you get work because they're like, oh, we need a sports guy. Oh, yeah, hit up Sean or something like that. Like you realize like not to fight it. Like even whether it's your look. What kind of jokes you do, whatever, like your life experiences, like, oh, hey, you're a pothead or you're the sports guy. And I, I've always liked sports. And so at first I was like, I don't want it to be all sports or whatever. Like I've kind of like went out of my way not to be that focused on it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, especially lately, I've been more down to embrace it. And I host a sports gambling podcast. So do a lot of like sports related stuff where I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I like I like sports. I like making people laugh. Why not just keep riding this train? So where do you? Uh, so where do you see your evolution? Where do I see like my your evolution? personal? Like you came out here, you had a plan. We know you have a plan. Yeah, we know you have a notebook somewhere that tells exactly what you're supposed to be doing right now. <laughs> um, I the plan's going pretty solidly. Like I, I, I'm happy with the writing, and producing. Like I'd like to do uh, more on camera stuff. But this actually the uh, Crash Leads experience was pretty great because. Uh, like for all the read throughs and rehearsals, like early on, because you're coming up with the show from scratch. I played Gronk in the read through and rehearsal. So oh, that nice. was as a perform. First off, it was fun playing Gronk. Uh, <laughs> and then also, it was like, it gave me a lot of confidence of like, yeah, it's one of those things to like, oh, I know I could do this type of show. But then to like actually be doing it when the cameras are on and you're with the other talent and like, you know, doing you're a really good up job. And you're holding and you're your like, own. You're and, like, yeah. yeah. And so that it was a boost of confidence as far as like the performing aspect so i think i'd really like to do um some sort of like late night talk show sports angle hybrid or like a you know maybe a a more adult version of crash lates where either you know i was involved in producing it or on camera ideally i'm actually doing a um this brings me to my uh, plug. I'm doing a. Uh, we got to go. Thank you so much. <laughs> we are out we, of time. We completely out of time. We literally have five seconds for me and John to close this show up. And- Brian, what's your Twitter handle so again? Close. <laughs> I'm actually doing a, a thing called Sean Sports Show at uh, the West Side Theater, uh, May 17th at 8 o'clock. So if anyone wants to come check that out. So the idea is like kind of. David Letterman meets Sports Center. I'll come out do a monologue. Yeah, you've and been you've been doing you've done versions I've done of this versions before. Of this, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And I think uh, I think John was on the one we did at Echoes Under Sunset a couple yeah, of years ago. Yeah. And I just hadn't had time to, you know, really put into like developing the show more. But now we're kind of between seasons or between gigs, so I've had some time to like uh, focus on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so looking forward to doing that. Have you ever have you seen uh, Garbage Time with Katie Nolan? Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, kind of something like that where it's going to be me. On well, a couch. Well, yeah. Like, I'd like to do a monologue where you talk about local sports. Or, I mean, sorry, like, you know, sports monologue jokes. Then ideally sit down, play some highlights, which would be, like, user-generated clips of, like, guys, you know, falling down. Like, sports fails. Mm-hmm. And then pepper in different kind of, like, sports centery bits, but uh, time into a comedy sense. And then bring on comedians for the panel. But instead of just, like, hey, here are my anecdotes about show business, it's... John talking about going to a NASCAR event and being totally hungover and right. knocking over all this stuff and <laughs> telling like comedians telling some story that's sports related failed in the sports. And you'd have, you could have athletes on that too. I mean, Oh yeah, definitely. Because, because uh, they have, 
fucking crazy stories. Yeah. Like athletes have some of the crazy. And when you, <laughs> I have a buddy who played in the NFL and just, and he was never a drug user or a, or a real party guy, but like the stuff he saw would make Scarface cry. Like, oh, yeah. you know, it's like <laughs> he saw crazy shit, man. So I don't know. But yeah, that I, I, I always thought that would be a good niche for you, like a late night talk show sports based deal. Yeah. You'd fucking kill at that. So yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I'm working on and hoping. You know, are you shooting? Are you going to put cameras on the thing yeah. at the West Side? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously it's like a, you know, very early on rough draft. But sure, I, I but think it's that's kind of like the seed game I'm, tape, I'm baby. working on. That's game tape. That's awesome. That's a great idea. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and that's May 17th at the West Side Theater. 8 o'clock, yep. 8 o'clock, West Side Theater, which is a great, cannot say enough nice things about They're that They're great, theater. man. Yeah. yeah. The, Chris and those guys are great. Plus, the space is just what they've done to it. I know. I, find, I sound like I'm beating off to it because I talk <laughs> about it all the time. But Well, it, at least for John and I to see the uh, – first off, it's in Santa Monica, which, again, is kind of a pain in the ass. But you get there, and they get good crowds there. Yeah. But also, it's it they've turned it into it, – I think – I appreciate it at least because I saw what it was like nine years ago. It was yeah. just this like literally just a complete empty box yeah. with like a couple black M- boxes and chairs and yeah. f- no bar. And then slowly they've made it more and more into like now it's like, well, this is a real comedy club and yeah. they've, and they treated they've done a great such. job. Yeah. And they're, they're real nice to the comedians where a lot of clubs in LA or just in general, it's always this like antagonistic battle between you and the booker, the owner, like the owner is a failed comedian who hates comics yeah. and he's going to do things the right way now yeah. that he owns it. And there, it does feel like a lot of comedy club owners have a chip on their shoulder where this West side comedy is owned by like a group of guys who are also comics who, yeah. and improv guys, improv and, guys yeah. and like still like performing, but also we're like friends enough that they bought this business together and just seem like easy going. A guys. place they were going to hang out anyway. Yeah. Like let's buy it. Um, and you know, I will say this, I agree with you for the most part, I just had a really good experience. I was up at the comedy cave in Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada. And, um, Jack, the owner of that place was, was really nice. He was a good guy. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are, obviously no, 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 there are... but but you're right for the most, because I was a week before that I was somewhere where I was like, well, I could burn this fucking place to the ground and not think twice. But like, but it's nice when you got a guy who's like, he just, you know, he feeds you. He's like, he's really nice. He puts you up. Yeah. It's like, it's, it was a convenience. It doesn't have to be this us versus them thing. Yeah. And when I said something, he goes, he goes, well, like, I go, the, cr- the crowds were lighter in a couple of days. And I go, oh, sorry. He goes, well, no one can blame you, man. That's all on me, dude. I did my research. I know who you are. I brought you out here. So yeah. it was like, that's on me to get the people in the seats. And I was like, thank you for that attitude. <laughs> Let's hug. I was like, it was just nice. Compared comparatively to a lot of the other ones, um, what are you going to do uh, with all that Canadian money? Boof, uh, I don't know, man. Probably change it. It into, has no value uh, here. You know that, right? Well, I probably probably cash the check. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's a Canadian check. Well, then I guess it's I got to move to Canada useless. and spend all that money. You got to go back to Canada. <laughs> the money that you make. Don't gotta, you understand how things work? I got to buy an airline ticket. I've never had a. I've only had good experiences in Canada. I've who, only been to who's Vancouver. Who's had a bad experience in Canada? Right. I've been to I, Vancouver. I've been to Calgary. To make fun of Canada all you want. It's like there's nothing bad about it. Been no. to Vancouver, uh, Toronto, uh, yeah, Calgary, Montreal. And I every time it's like, oh, friendly people. Yeah. Really. Strong beer, poutine, like clean Ooh, air. Poutine is, uh, whew, that can't be good for you, but man, oh, is yeah. that good. It's nice to. Holy shit. Yeah, you, it's not something you don't want in the regular rotation. <laughs> yeah. How do they stay alive with all the I don't know, beer man. and cheese curls? And none of them look super fat either. No, it's they're like, like all, the, it, they, I don't know if they're just like logging outside. <laughs> yes. Logging. Yes. You guys uh, started my, so good about Canada. <laughs> and now you've literally just, you whittled them down to loggers uh, who eat poutine. eating syrup yeah, and logging yeah, 
mean, fuck. You're drilling holes so close, for maple you guys. syrup. So close, then you became Americans maybe, again. Maybe, play, just... maybe they play hockey. I don't know. I Whatever. Will, I will say this. I do a joke about the differences between people named Danny and people named Donnie. And when I say that the, the Donnies in America have a leader now, he's running for president. He's on TV. That went that went oh, over yeah. pretty well. Oh, yeah. They love <laughs> making fun of Donald Trump. Oh, God. Yeah. That was hilarious. Uh, but they say Calgary is the Texas of Canada. Which yeah, is, it's a big oil country, yeah, right? Yeah, they love oil. What about the mindset? Uh, it could not have been as bad as Texas. I mean, um, or I don't think it was the same. <laughs> all right. I don't know. Are you, fra- are you, are you, are you, are you clamming up? I don't up? want to offend Texas listeners, that's all. If they listen to us, <laughs> uh, they're, they're open-minded. They're not, they're not the ones you're worried yeah, about, buddy. That's true. That's true. <laughs> they're the ones that don't give a shit, just like us. Uh, Sean, other than that, what else you got coming up? Anything? You want to plug your Twitter? You want to plug yeah, your sure. podcast? At Sean T. Green, do a uh, weekly or even sometimes a couple times a week, depending on the uh, sports card, do a uh, sports gambling podcast. My partner actually had uh, Willett, the uh, winner of the Masters, at 50 to 1 as one of his picks. Whoa. So huge, huge win for us coming off the Masters. We got the uh, NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs coming up. So check that out on the old iTunes. One of my favorite times of year, dude. Baseball is just getting underway, and the hockey playoffs are just starting, yeah. dude. I fucking love it. And I, I think the uh, Flyers will beat the Capitals. So take that. Really? I just that. Yeah, I took that. It's plus 220 to win the series. I think, listen, their owner just passed away, Ed Snyder. Yeah. The Capitals. Today. Uh, or I yesterday. Was like, yeah, yesterday. Uh. It's just the city is ready to make this run, and the Capitals just have a history of choking early in they the do. playoffs. That's for sure. And the, and the Flyers are they are a team that can come out of nowhere if they yeah, want to. Yeah, and they're coming in hot. Their goaltender's playing really well, which is just the, who is their goaltender? Um, uh, that one guy. It's not Niemi though, right? Mason. Mason. Okay. Uh, they they just yeah, like a hockey team when they kind of get all the stuff going together right, and you can really. Like the seating really goes out the window in the playoffs. And lastly, everyone on ESPN picked the Capitals to win. Which so is that's a good sign usually, for the Flyers. Yeah, yeah. If, if everyone of the ESPN experts picks one team, ESPN is five. You idiots. have to. <laughs> you have to just in general because that means usually the public's behind it or whatever. If everyone like prognosticates picking one team, I always like taking the other team because yeah. that's just how sports works. Yeah. Yeah, nothing that's what against happened to the, the Final great, Four, right? Everyone picked North yeah, Carolina. Nothing against the great people at ESPN, but if everyone's kind of <laughs> the great on, people at ESPN, there's somebody who wants to get a that. show on there. Jesus Christ! <laughs> but uh, it, you know, if there is any sort of like everyone's behind something, I guarantee someone on the NHL network is picking the Flyers. Oh yeah, because they know hockey a little, little more savvy. Yeah, but um, yeah, so looking forward to that. And do you think? I mean, what? Who do you think is going to make it to the Stanley Cup? Because if the blue, if the blues, if the kings, if the Blackhawks beat the Blues, and the Kings beat the Ducks, the Hawks and the Ducks are going to play, or the Hawks and the Jesus Christ, the Hawks and the Kings are going to play. I don't know what the star, if the stars. Yeah, I kind of got the, I got the Ducks beating the Kings, but uh, yeah, I'll be, I'd be rooting for the Kings. They're definitely my uh, West Coast team. I root for. <clears throat> yeah, what do you think about the uh, Stars? Uh, not super high on them, but right, we'll see. Yeah. Blackhawks, who knows? I mean, it's so they've, tough they've to repeat. They've been playing like shit lately, and it is so tough to repeat. It's just it's someone... But it's ever... tough to count them out either. Yeah, no, no, it's tough to count them out because as soon as the playoffs start, fire. they just, they'll kick it into high gear, I think. You know? Are the Ducks still owned by Disney? No, they're still owned, maybe. Yeah. yeah who else know. is owned by Disney? ESPN. That's right. So we know where you're going with all this. <laughs> you're a homer. Just trying to get in a good plug for ESPN. Whatever you can. God. you got that show coming up on May 17th. I know what's going on here, okay? <laughs> 
Uh, a couple of things real quick, if I could steal a little sure. bit of thunder. Um, just talking about a couple of people, we always try to update some of our past guests. Um, oh, I um, see that Quincy, once again, we'll, we'll, we'll have him come back in. But we went and saw his, his HBO taping, but then I yeah. just happened to be online today. He just did Conan he's, O'Brien. He's gonna do, yeah, he's going to be on Conan tonight. Did yeah. Oh, he did it yesterday? Oh, he did it. It's, on, it's online. So if you oh, okay. want to see some of Quincy's... Uh, You've obviously heard us talk to him over and over and over again. Now, actually, some of his stuff is online. So if you uh, Google Twin, uh, uh, Quincy Jones Comedian, you'll see it. And Conan O'Brien, he's on that. And also another past guest, uh, Moses, uh, Brian Moses. Yeah. Uh, I read in the trades that uh, he is going to be uh, producing Executive a... Executive uh, producer of the Roast Battle, roast battle for Comedy, Comedy Central. Central. So, oh, I mean, that's A couple cool. things are... Yeah. You and know, every once in a while, the journey... People yeah, talk to up. us, and then eventually... Things happen. Things happen. And we'll actually be doing comedy, Brian, you and I, on right before the roast battle tonight at the Comedy Store. That is true. That's, that's, we'll that's Carew. That's, 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 that's Rod that? Carew. Yeah. Uh, that's Rod Carew. Uh, about 10 o'clock. All right. I think I'll be over there, because I was going to... Doing a spot to Lexington tonight, and then I was going to roll over Ooh, there. So. All right. I'll see good. you guys later tonight. Awesome. More familiar faces for awesome, me after yeah. all. I haven't been to the store in a while. It'll be yeah. fun. Um, also, I was going to say, did we want to call Jen Murphy? It was her birthday. Call her? Yeah. I can try. Let's yeah, try it. Let's leave her a message. All right. Do you know Jen? <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah, we've, okay. never, we've never done this before, but I was thinking Does about... Does she have any restraining orders against you or anything I need to know before I actually get this phone <laughs> nope. call in? Okay, but I mean, so like, we, sure. you know, um, we should maybe make this a thing where we call people on their, like, past guests or, or guests on their birthday <laughs> or something. It's <laughs> uh, kind of fun. Okay. I don't know, right? It makes yeah. Good time. No, you can't say, I don't know. It's got to be yeah. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do this. Let's I don't own know. It. Don't yeah. See, you know, he know he's been owning everything. Oh, oh okay. Getting, Sorry, I, I, I didn't move out here and live in a youth hostel with a fucking that plan to make a million time ago. dollars. There's this guy who's worked a long time ago. He's still I, every time I open up my phone, every like he's right once there. a month. No, he's yes. like got a picture. No, he uh, um, he still does forward, forward, forward stuff. Oh my god, what is he? My dad? Years. Yeah, he is older. And by the way. Uh, I did a joke where I oops I lost my microphone there. I did a joke where I changed Jen Murphy's name to Jennifer Aniston as a joke, just in case anybody was ever looking at my phone to think. But it keeps confusing me because I'm looking for Jennifer Murphy on my phone. I forget that I do that, and I'm like, oh, she's not on my phone anymore. I can't find her. <laughs> you so. have to call Jen Aniston. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday, Jen Aniston. <laughs> here, let's see if we can get her. All right. Let's hope she doesn't say anything you know mean to me. Derogatory. So she won't she answer. answers she's not with a, a racist slur. She's not, she doesn't answer her phone. No, not that. That's not her thing. She doesn't. Hello? Oh, hey, Jen. Jen that's Murphy. Hello. Hello. Hi. Can you hear us? Can you hear us? Yes. Yes. Ha- happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Oh my God! Did you call just to say happy birthday? Yeah, yeah you're you're, 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 on, you're oh on the full. Ca- you're on the um. Jesus Christ! You're on the Hollywood <laughs> Anonymous podcast. Oh my God! I'm so special. <laughs> <laughs> you're the first person we've ever done this for. I'm your favorite. Well, right. Well, we have Sean Green in, in the studio today, Happy too. birthday, Jen. Because I'm the best guest you ever had. Well, Sean's a pretty good guest. We don't want to shit on the guests we have in studio. That's all. Um, happy birthday, Jen. Uh, you guys are so sweet. Thank you. Hello, Sean. Hey, I, I'm actually up? surprised you uh, answered the phone. I was just telling you, she doesn't answer the phone when I call her. She's a texter. And then, of course, you answer the phone. Maybe because you feel special because it's your birthday. Yeah, I figured it was big news on my birthday, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Jim, this is HBO. We want to get, record five hour-long specials with you. <laughs> Happy birthday. Are you in town? Are you I lugging thought you were a- calling to tell me oh. like, that I got the Comedy ha- Comedy Central half hour. I thought that was going to be No, um, but Jen, can you watch my kids this weekend? Um, I got some big stuff coming up. That we're, uh, we're calling to tell you that Last Comic Standing is going to come back next summer, and we'd like you to host it. Oh, yeah. We want you to be a judge. 
awesome. Yeah, we just wanted to say happy birthday because we'd never done it before. Thank we you. realized it was your birthday. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you. You guys are the sweetest. I happy birthday. It. All right. Well, are Thanks, you- have fun on the podcast. Are you going to get drunk or anything tonight? What are you doing? That's not what she does. That's not her thing. Okay, I'll be the yeah, judge of what her what? thing is. Me? Come on. She's gonna, do, she's gonna do what she always does. She's gonna do stand up somewhere, right? Are you? Are you? I'm actually not gonna do stand up. I'm what? gonna go out to dinner like a normal. Yes, day. good for you, well, Jen. And your family lives in town, right? Are you gonna see your family? No. Uh, <laughs> no, please. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'll see them. I saw them on Sunday. Oh, okay. So you did an early Sunday uh, birthday with them already. How was Wiley's? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's this weekend. Oh, okay, okay. 15th and 16th. Oh, promote, where, where are you going to be? Wiley's Comedy Club, I'm Dayton, Ohio. I'm going to be at Ohio. Wiley's in Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, so things are working out for you then? You're doing okay. Yeah? All right. Last I'm time okay. we talked to you, you said you wanted to be a road dog. Have you been road dogging it since you've been on the show? I have. Okay, good. You, good. Have, you Your podcast has made my dreams come true. That's all John wanted <laughs> to hear. That's all we want to hear. Thank you so much, Jen. Happy birthday. Have a great afternoon. Good evening. Have fun at dinner. Tell dinner I said hi. I love you. Right, I'm Hello. serious. Okay. Love you too. Okay, sure, I'm serious. Can you watch my kids tonight? I got, I got to do a comedy <laughs> show. No, I'm just kidding. All right, bye. All right. Okay. Bye, Jen. Bye. 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 Oh, see? We did good, everybody. That was fun. Oh. Yeah, it was a blast. It was, oh. sweet. It was sweet, one man. of our best uh, happy birthdays ever. It was our only happy birthday ever. <laughs> Thanks for doing the show, Sean. Yep. Thanks for having me, man. Um, this is a blast. Yeah, cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, that episode in the books. All right, uh, Brian, we done? That, that's it. I was just making sure the dogs aren't barking. Nope. And now you can fart. All right. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe 